Well, it's been a, a great pleasure and an honor for us to start reading our books. The first book is called The Booth, and it's all about having a quiet time in the presence of God every day. So many people I am meeting are in a state of stress, anxiety, even depression. This book in just everyday language will show you exactly how the Lord wants us to live. So I pray that this will bless you. We're doing it for no other reason, just so that you will get closer to Jesus Christ as your friend. First love. To give you a practical example, in 2003, my wife Jill and I went to the Mkuzi Game Reserve for a rest. We love the bush and wildlife, which we find very therapeutic. It had been an extremely busy time and we needed a complete break. Early one morning, I was sitting in the presence of God, just listening to the voice of Africa. As I drank my tea, I could hear the baboons calling to one another and the mighty African fish eagle circling high and making that unmistakable call. I thank God for many things, for being alive, for my beautiful family, for the Christian work that he had called me to do. So many amazing doors had been opened for me to preach the gospel, and we had book trips to India and to Newfoundland and other places that were new to me. I drained the last few drops of tea and opened my beloved Bible. At that time, I was reading the book of Revelation, and I continued from where I had left off the previous day. What I read shocked me to the core. The Lord spoke almost audibly to me. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Let me digress for a moment. We are all familiar with nightmares. A huge, vicious, man-eating lion running towards you or someone chasing you, just as the lion pounces or the stranger catches you, you wake up in a cold sweat. Now for me, a nightmare is walking onto a platform to preach the Word of God at a sports stadium full of people without the Holy Spirit. It is something I would not wish on my worst enemy. Basically, what Jesus was saying to me was, go home and get back to your first love, spending time with me like you did when you were a new Christian. We can often get so busy doing the work of the Lord that we neglect the Lord of the work. And that is what he was saying to me very clearly. Well, Back home, the first thing I did was cancel all my preaching appointments for the year. That is not an easy thing to do, since one can become very unpopular, especially when your hosts have been preparing for at least a year in advance. But the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice, and the first miracle happened. I received very few complaints. The organizer simply said that if God had told me to cancel, 
then who are they to argue with God? Confirmation from the Word. I call upon the name of the Lord and ask, what am I to do with the rest of my life now? I felt the Lord say, I want you to mentor young men, for there are very few spiritual fathers in these days. Thinking he meant maybe three or four young men. What an amazing surprise I was soon to get with the birth of the mighty men phenomenon sweeping the world. We need to really consider confirmation from God's holy word before making any decisions or changes. Remember, a good idea does not always equate to a God idea. And furthermore, a need does not justify a call. Jesus never healed all those who were sick when he was on earth. And he never fed all the hungry people either. He only did what his heavenly father told him to do. What is so very reassuring when you step out of the boat and walk on water for Jesus is that when you have had a clear word from God and the huge mountains come along, and they will, you can take hold of the promises God gave you through the scriptures. They will be a tremendous source of strength. One thing I have experienced to be so true in my walk with the Lord is that the word of God will never, ever return void. His word is yea and amen. God's promises. It is good practice to memorize the precious scriptures that God gives you so that you can, with the greatest love and respect, remind the master of his promises. That is exactly what Moses did in the wilderness when God was angry with the children of Israel. He was going to destroy the whole nation. But Moses reminded him of his promises. The Bible tells us that God relented, which literally means he changed his mind. See Exodus 23 and verses 8 to 14. God puts his holy word before his name. That is why I love God so much. To think that our creator would humble himself and take counsel from his own creation. It's really amazing. When your little son or daughter wants to give you advice, you normally feel like saying to them, I was doing these things before you were born. But you don't say that. You take their counsel lovingly and implement it wholeheartedly. That's what God did. What an incredibly gracious God we serve. Recently, I was meditating on what the Word of God really represents what it stands for. Well, it is actually Jesus Christ in print. If a curious person had to ask you the question, this Savior of yours, where can I meet him? How would you answer? Well, in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the Word of God. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13. That is why time in the booth every day is so vital. If you need to make decisions or seek counsel about literally anything, it's available to you at no charge. 
No appointment is necessary and it is totally confidential. It's the word that created heaven and earth and his name is Jesus Christ. The other morning while reading a daily devotional, the writer was saying that the greatest asset for anyone is to know that Jesus walks with us every day and he never ever leaves us or forsakes us. But to really know this is a great asset indeed. Some of us tend to know this fact in our heads, but we need to get to know it in our spiritual person too. There is a story about Martin Luther, the great reformer. He was seen sitting at a wooden table during a difficult time of testing, writing over and over again on the table the words, He lives, He lives. Spending time in the Word of God every morning will remind us during the day that Jesus is walking right alongside us. We have nothing to fear, for if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Of course, the answer is no one. Chapter 5, a place of comfort. The room or location for our quiet time should be a place of shelter from the storms of life, a place of comfort when we are hurting, fearful, or disappointed. One of the darkest moments in my life was when I lost my little nephew through a tractor accident on our farm, Shalom. That was about 25 years ago, and yet I remember it like yesterday. If it were not for the fact that I was having regular times with Jesus in my booth, I can honestly tell you that I would not be writing this book. I would probably be in a mental home or in the gutter or a hopeless drug addict or alcoholic. Everyone needs to have a place where they can go, a place where they can get away from the extreme pressures of this hectic life. It is so vital that we have a real and living experience with Jesus Christ because we have no idea what tomorrow holds in store for us. On that particular day, we were celebrating Jill's birthday and my brother Fergus and his family had come from Johannesburg to spend a short holiday with us. The children were all playing cricket on the lawn in the front of our little house. Fergus is a professional sportsman, and so he was busy teaching them. The rest of us were working, and I had just come in to have a quick cup of tea with everyone. Just then, there was a knock on the door. It was our tractor driver saying that his tractor was stuck and asking if I could please come with another to pull him out. Naturally, I said it was no problem and that I would be along shortly. I shouted to the family that I'd be back soon and walked out of the back door up towards the shed where the tractor was parked. Painful memories. As I walked up the garden path, I felt a little hand slip into mine. It was my little four-year-old nephew, Alistair, asking me where I was going. I was his favorite uncle and he loved John Deere tractors. I told him I was going to get a tractor to help pull out another one that was stuck in the mud. 
He asked if he could come along, and I replied, if your daddy says it's all right, then you can come with. His dad said it was fine, and so off we set, me driving and Alistair standing on the running board on my right. His sister Kirsty stood on my left with the tractor driver standing on the tow hitch at the back. Everybody was happy. It was a beautiful morning and the sun was shining as we drove slowly up the road. At a slight bend in the road, I eased off on the accelerator, and the next thing, little Ellie fell forward off the tractor, going straight under the huge rear wheel. His sister screamed. I slammed on the brakes, but it was too late. That little blonde-haired boy the apple of his mother's eye was lying in the middle of the road in a pool of blood. Crying out to God for help, I jumped off the tractor and picked up the limp little body. Alistair died right there in my arms. At that moment, a neighbor came along in his vehicle. We drove to the hospital in town, me holding Alistair in my arms, where the doctor officially pronounced him dead. It was without doubt the single biggest shock I have ever had in my life, an experience I would not wish on anybody. It's something you never really get over. My brother, two and a half years younger than me, walked up the steps at the entrance of the hospital, his young wife, Joanne, at his side. His hands were outstretched, and he asked, Angus, my son, and I had to tell him, your son is with Jesus, Fergie. They both broke down, weeping uncontrollably. All I could say was, I am so very sorry. Never again do I wish to walk that hellish road. Even writing this account so many years later, is still very painful for me. Our family was so supportive during the ensuing days and months, especially my brother and sister-in-law, though they had also had their own huge burden of grief to deal with. Jill was like an angel, reminding me that it was an accident, that I shouldn't blame myself. I'll never forget Lindy, my oldest daughter, running into the house when she first heard about it, throwing her arms around my neck and saying, Dad, it's not your fault. There was such incredible love and support from our neighbors and friends from town. Many phoned and sent their condolences, some not even knowing what to say, just breaking down and weeping with me. For days afterwards, I couldn't eat, and I battled to fall asleep at night. Jill would try to stay awake with me for as long as she could, but eventually she would collapse into a deep sleep from total exhaustion. It was a terribly emotional time for all of us. A place of comfort. This is where the place of comfort comes in. My alarm clock is always set for four o'clock every morning, and as is my custom, I pray with Jill. We pray for the family, then I go and make tea. I go up to my booth 
and spend not only quality time with Jesus, but also quantity time as well. In those early days after the terrible accident, I would lie in bed awake, just waiting to hear the alarm go off. I'd go straight to my booth and wait to hear life-giving instructions from the Lord. Not once was I ever disappointed. It was like manna from heaven every single morning, fresh, nourishing, and life-giving. Just like the father used the ravens to feed Elijah when he was at his lowest, Jesus fed me, and slowly but surely, every day, I got stronger. It was God's holy word that ultimately did it for me. I would open my Bible and the scripture would shout out to me from the page verses like, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Then I would read a little further and Jesus would say, Stand therefore. Verse 14. I'd go out and allow the Lord to fight the good fight for me. And by faith, I would remain standing. That is basically how I have got through many times of hardship in my life. And I really want to encourage you to take God's holy word as your comfort. Let your booth be a place of consolation and reassurance when you face huge tests. There are certain trials in our lives that we will never get over. But I can testify that as time moves on, those tidal waves start becoming smaller and the pain less sharp. Father God, through his word, soothes our wounds and heals them. We become better people for these trials and tribulations. In fact, I have never met a man or a woman worth their salt who have not been through fiery tests in life. It is unfortunately the only thing that builds character. Show me a man who's never been through difficulties, and I'll show you a person who's got nothing to say, has no convictions, and is not prepared to stand up for righteousness and truth. Some of the closest encounters I have ever had with God were during my darkest days, when the storm was at its absolute worst. He was there telling me almost audibly that he would never leave me nor forsake me. As a farmer, I can tell you that the darker the clouds, the more life-giving the rain that those clouds carry. So never be afraid of what the future holds in store for you. As long as you are spending time in your booth with Jesus every day, you will be able to cope with anything that comes across your path. God did say that he would never allow us to be tempted beyond that which we can handle and that he would always provide us with a way of escape. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Booth. 